everybody welcome to episode 229 of the growing with fishes podcast uh this week we have earl from the homegrown weed summit thanks for joining us thank you thank you i uh i appreciate this man this is grown with fishes who would have knew <laughs> what's up man? and we also have uh the plague ridden marty <laughs> what's up <laughs> Marty's not going to be joining us uh, uh, for for video tonight, but it, but he's here with us. Um, thanks everybody for for joining us. Uh, for those of you that are still new, um, be sure to check out the uh, APMJClass.com. We have a, a full 600 lecture um, aquaponic cannabis class over there, and then we also have the APMJ Newts if you're looking for aquaponic nutrients for your your you know fish safe uh, aquaponic cannabis grow. So uh, definitely check those out if you're, you're looking for those things. Um, thanks a lot, Earl, for, for coming on our show today. Um, uh, you're putting on a, uh, a pretty cool summit that's specifically designed to, you know, kind of help home growers. Uh, we're going to talk of kind of that as the general theme for this evening. And um, uh, yeah, so so thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what you're doing, your mission. I know you got all kinds of wonderful guests on this um, uh, some of that you've put together, uh, trying to help te teach people how to grow at home. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's geared towards commercial uh, or um, uh, other things. And, uh, commercial um, uh, things that are, uh, you know, just not geared towards people trying to go for six plants. So uh, definitely something that uh, is kind of needed out there in the community. And uh, it's super cool that you're putting this together. So thanks a lot for, for doing that. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Thank you, fam. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like um, there's a lot of big business. Um, like most of all the summits I went to, or, or even some of the expos, you know, Canacon, um, MJ, uh, BizCon, all that jazz. Uh, a lot of them dealt with, like you just said, um, a lot more larger commercial style grows, but nothing was really there for um, the person who just want to grow four, six, 12 plants um, at home. And if you, you know, are Googling and, 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 and YouTubing, there's a lot of information out there. Um, it's almost information overload and some of it's kind of conflicting and uh, you can spend, you know, four months, five months trusting someone's information and then find out that, uh, yeah, that really wasn't good insight to do for this run. And then you had this, you know, this loss here. So, yeah, so that kind of was the idea of, um, and I also, I like learning, I, I truly believe you never stop learning as a grower. Um, you're continually mastering the skill of growing. And um, I wanted to get a bunch of different growers together and really for them to get their insights on their experiences, um, their mistakes, um, some of their techniques, some of their tips, uh, different type of tools, um, new evolving lights, uh, nutrients, because uh, this, this industry is, is, is moving so fast and even the home grower needs to continually stay on top of that. So that was the idea, get together um, at least 25 or more growers with five years or more experience um, to come together and uh, give tips and um, touch on topics that help people learn how to grow clean, elite cannabis at home. Um, not swag, but clean, elite cannabis uh, at home. So that was kind of the idea. Very cool. Um, so uh, what are some of the different or who are some of the different guests that you have for the uh, 
uh, the uh, the summit? Yeah, um, I mean, we got some uh, big names. Uh, uh, we have Ed Rosendahl. Uh, he's coming on. He's teaching. Um, I actually have a nice little spreadsheet here. Uh, he's teaching on how to um, automate the environment for optimal growth. Um, so he touched upon um, different limiting factors of what it takes for your plant to, to, to thrive. And man, he's he's like in a whole nother world of knowledge, man. It's like speaking to like like an ancient wise man. <laughs> it was it was just um, it was just incredible. So yeah, uh, he he taught on that, and, and and the idea was to have different speakers, um, not touch on every single stage, but each one kind of uh, touch on a different topic, and all those topics come together to teach you um, pretty much how to grow at each stage of cannabis. Um, stages meaning um, you have the the foundation stage was really you trying to figure out what equipment, um, what area you're going to try to grow in, um, what kind of medium you're going to use. Um, is it going to be hydroponics? Is it going to be cocoa? Is it going to be aquaponics? Um, so those are just some foundation things you kind of want to figure out. And then there's some people teaching on the um, ceiling and the clone um, stage. And then there's people teaching on the vegetative stage. Uh, then there's people teaching on the flowering stage. And as you know, if you grow, it uh, doesn't stop there. Uh, you have to do the drying and then the curing and then the storing stage. So different speakers um, are touching on that. Um, another speaker we have, a couple we have, uh, Jesse Peters. Um, he owns a couple uh, dispos and, and grows um, over there in Oregon. He's te he teaching on ways to reduce um, electricity usage um, in your home and how to grow more efficient. Um, we have uh, Shane. Um, some of these last names, man, I'll be, I'll be butchering, but it's all good. Uh, Shane uh, Torpery from the, the owner of Migro Lights. Um, he owns the um, LED lights, and he's actually teaching you not just how to choose his lights, but just how to choose overall, um, how to pick and choose an LED light, which, of course, there's a lot of different LED lights now. You can go on Amazon, close your eyes, and hopefully you got the right one. Um, so he gave some some strategies on, on kind of how to do that. Um, Milo. I'm sorry, go ahead. Talk about uh, conflicting information, man. There's got to be more conflicting information about LEDs online as far as like home grow stuff. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that has contradictions, but specifically LEDs, I feel like is a rabbit hole of people disagreeing across the board for like 10 different reasons. So it's, um, it's always great to have clarity on that and um, I think that having like actual engineers, like we had, yes. um, the guys from, uh, sorry, Steve, what's his name from Spectrum King that came on, he did like a two hour master class on Brendan, Brendan. Yes. It, you know, so it's always great to hear from those people. So that's awesome. I always love to clear stuff up about LEDs. I, I agree, Marty. And, and, and man, that shit can get complicated too. talking about PPF, uh, talking about the light, how, how efficient it is, the different. Mm -hmm. um yeah different the bulbs PPM, that are being yeah all that stuff so the the photon flux density versus you know like all the different measurements of light and which one you know then you can get into spectrums of light and then you get yeah. in, you're talking about efficiency and how um you know you basically either get heat or light out of your reaction you know regardless and how they measure that and btus and how it affects the number of btus you need for air conditioning or yeah, uh, you know, like just how all those things play together is, uh, um, it's 
it's especially key to understand for LEDs because you're not talking about just a single light, like an an HPS light is just a single lamp, right? Uh, giving off one thing, as opposed to LEDs, most of the time they're you know one to three hundred different uh, diodes that are emitting separately. So it's just really hard to compare them across the board without understanding what all these measurements are. So uh, great stuff. Yeah, and then like even like how to like measure, um, talking about lux, if you got like a lux meter and how you transfer that to um, to, to understand the PPFD um, and then even different spots in your, like it may be cool right underneath the light, but then as you go through the footprint, you know, 12 inches out, six inches out, all that changes and you and you want to kind of know all that if you're trying to you know grow elite and 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 be efficient with your grow too so right especially on home grows where uh, you know because that that's really my sort of my thing i you know i've always been limited by a plant count i've had a right card here so you know when you only like if you're like me and you can only grow 12 plants at a time you you need to get the most out of your 12 plants like right. if you can just throw out another 10 plants and make up the difference then it doesn't necessarily matter as much to you but if you've got to get the most out of them then understanding where you know how to balance out your your light in order to get a nice solid canopy and literally get as much as you can out of each one then uh you know you're you're doing yourself a disservice you know you've got to know that stuff to to get a nice full canopy i agree i agree and then uh can considering the cost i mean we know that um these lights right now i mean we've they've kind of came down it's kind of was like back in the day when the first microwave came out it was like man the microwave is a thousand dollars like what um but now <laughs> it kind of came down to a reasonable price and probably gonna come down more but still at what point is it worth the investment of the led versus your tr uh traditional double-ended or um whatever kind of um different light that you're that you're that you're running so we even like came together with, with like a calculator on how you can compare lights um you know, um, actually input um, some data that you would get from the manufacturer, and it will tell you how much it's going to cost you over three years, um, over one month, four months, um, one cycle. So you can kind of see when you're going to get your money back. Um, also, so yeah, it was it was a, we we went kind of deep, and my mind is still spinning from that conversation. And then um, uh, we got uh, Milo from Big. Uh, Buddha seeds. Um, he actually uh, taught on on breeding, uh, doing it from a home growers um, style. So not necessarily large commercial breeding, um, but more uh, how can a home grower do this on a home grow small scale? Uh, we got into that, and then um, even just um, how to produce different types of seeds um, in, intentionally. Uh, so if you're trying to do, you know, if you're trying to um, make regular seeds, or you're trying to uh, make uh, feminized seeds, or if you're even trying to do autoflower seeds, if you're trying to turn one of your favorite phenotypes or genotypes um, into some type of seed so you can kind of store it uh, for later use, we got into um, how to do that from a home grower's point of view, and not necessarily just for uh, commercial mass market point of view too. So um, he was very, very generous with his information. And that's, I kind of found that as a theme, um, People just, it's like, it's like one love type thing, you know, and everybody kind of wants to help each other. And people weren't just being like, I have a patent on information. You're not going to know. People are just more than willing uh, to just really spread the word and teach. 
because the more we learn, the more we all can be better growers and the more also we can um, end this stigma that still is around um, with me as well. So. Very cool. Yeah. The number one enemy of our industry is education. True, true. And, and, and just seeing everybody come together, it was just, you know, it's kind of like this, this, this big mosaic, man. It's different backgrounds, different states, different countries, um, different ethnicities, different um, levels of where you are as growing. But well, we all still kind of came together for the common purpose of, you know, still keeping the movement of home grow and, and not thinking like there's there's people on the ballot right now who are trying to prevent home growth. It's like, oh, what? It's, it's like, I do the few people who grow tomatoes, are they really interrupting the tomato market? Uh, no, there's plenty still to go around. Um, so, and, and we also talked to that. Uh, uh, we, we, we talk with uh, people who are huge advocates, uh, just really just talking about the future of home growing and um, how it could be sustainable. Um, and, and also we talked about reasons why you shouldn't allow home growth. And we wanted, you know, to, balance that whole conversation and still obviously it makes no sense to not allow home grows in any type of state so yeah so hopefully just having that kind of that, that type of conversation um about home grows will help it be easier to make it more of a common sense thing if you're going to pass medical or adult use to include home grow and that's not fight against each other um to not have home grow as if that's going to jeopardize a huge grows revenue which is crazy yeah, it's insane to me that um, the industry has been so willing in numerous states to be a, to sacrifice the ability to home grow um, for a couple of different reasons, I guess, just coming from somebody that has always had to do it even even before legality. It's kind of that, you know, that hard pill to swallow that you guys wouldn't have anything without all the home growers that did it in spite of it being legal and getting arrested for it and you know the people that did time for it which luckily was never me but really that's yeah. just out of luck more than anything <clears throat> so you know it's an it's insane to me that they would be willing to negotiate away the people that literally had to have given them everything that they have seeds knowledge you know the ability to grow them how to do it um, right somebody who did that illegally and, and did it at home taught you how to do it right. and you negotiated them out of it and so home grow for me has always been and, and that includes states that uh like oregon <laughs> that um created uh may have allowed home grow but created a toxic environment for home growers to be able to succeed in a medical market um, or in a recreational market so just so um so obviously biased towards the recreational market that, uh, you know, membership is almost non-existent in the medical program anymore. Patients, right. numerous patients have to buy their, their medicine at dispensaries at retail costs instead of get them for free. So it really uh, is sort of unacceptable, even though we still have home grow and that's great and, and we appreciate it. There's right. still an, other bars above that as in not um, regulating them out of the industry and putting them at as a disadvantage to recreation or growers um, it is something that's going to be critical moving forward. And we may not ever get that until we get full federal legalization because people, it seems like, are, are willing to uh, negotiate that out just to have it at all. And 
it's hard to hate on that position because I, you know, yeah. obviously I, I don't want to go to an illegal state anywhere and feel like, you know, I can't medicate or hide or do anything. Um, but at the same time, I feel like anybody who lives in a state where it's legal and they can't grow it, that, that's got to be frustrating on another level. So I don't know. It's a complicated and, and nuanced thing. But to me, I feel like home grow, uh, you know, it is essential to to the culture. And I think any state so far that's had uh, significant issues with their policies or getting traction or really rolling out uh, like uh, a good recreational program ha has gutted the the ability to home grow. And that's going to be a problem, I think, anywhere that tries to do it. I agree. I agree. I mean, and it's, and it's even, you know, it's not like when someone goes with full adult use or medical, all of a sudden it's like magic where there's immediate access to this. Um, a lot of states, some of them take, I mean, shoot, I think Maine took five, six years or something to kind of get going. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so like here. Florida. And I, I don't even think Florida is all the way up to ground still. Well, there is yeah. the governor of Maine. And then now you have the governor of South Dakota uh, trying to th throw out the legalization bills, yeah. you know, against the will of the voters, you know. Yeah, so for those who need access um, now, I mean, they could just, you know, grow four 12 plants um, and not have to wait a couple years for this industry. They can wait, you know, a couple months um, and get access. Or if you live in a, in a, in a rural area or, or somewhere where there's not going to be a local, maybe you have to drive two, three hours um, to even find a uh, dispo. Yeah, there's there's plenty of reasons. Yeah, to to just um, to allow you know homegirls. I, I agree, and I know we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but I mean, at the same time, at at this point, like, do we really have to compromise that? You know, uh, you know, I kind of got it from the beginning. It's like, all right, let's let's get what what, what we can to get some momentum. This is like what was it like? We're on like over 38 states or something now that has some type of uh, yeah. Um, we're yeah. the majority now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or the, like, you can't say it doesn't work anymore. You can't, you know, like all these different things that, um, you know, that have been rhetoric that, you know, that usage among kids would go up. Well, no, that hasn't really happened anywhere. Um, you know, that real estate prices would go down. Well, no, it's actually the opposite. They go exactly. up everywhere that you ever get legalization. You know, they, you know, they want to say that, you know, it's going to increase you know, suicides or other drug abuse, which it hasn't anywhere across the board right. that they've ever been able to meaningfully document that I've seen. And yeah, it reduces, it reduces so. opioid prescriptions by 18% on average the first year. Right. And then, and then of course, is always, what about the kids, right? As if the kids are just going to walk in there and like pick a butt off and put it with their cereal. Uh, right. I mean... <laughs> no crazy. and uh you know then the false equivalencies come in where they're like oh we got to treat it like alcohol well you you don't really mean that either because you're fine with yeah. alcohol being at the fair you know right. if i go to the county fair i can watch all of your uncles get trashed and fight each other but we can't smoke a joint there so right. you don't really want to treat it like alcohol you're not really willing to treat it like alcohol and you're probably right it probably shouldn't be treated like alcohol we probably should be able to smoke it anywhere outside that you can smoke cigarettes yeah, uh, you probably shouldn't need a license to distribute it like you do alcohol. I, I do agree that we shouldn't treat it like alcohol. But I think even when they say that they don't really mean it. They just mean that we want to have control over regulating it. We want to be able to decide 
who grows it and who sells it. We all, especially seems weird coming from, since most of the resistance is almost always right wing Republican and that they don't want regulation anywhere else in any other industry that you ever see anywhere. But then all of a sudden they want every possible cannabis regulation to come into effect as soon as it's yeah. something that they, you know, quote unquote, morally disagree with. So, uh, you know, again, the hypocrisy shows through and maybe I'm sensitive to that today of all days. But um, I just think that it's crazy to me that uh, the, those types of things would continue or any of their other principles like the, you know, not being able to tell me what to do on my land is always something that you'll hear until it comes yeah. to growing with cannabis. And then they'll be like, well, we need to tell you how many plants you can grow. And then yeah. we need to tell you what kind of plants you can grow. And then we can tell you what time of year you can grow them and then how much light, you know, like how much it can smell, you know, like you have all kinds of things that you are willing to put on to me. But if I want to say, oh, you can't graze your cows on public land, you're willing to take your guns to the Capitol building. <laughs> you know, like, I just feel like yeah. I'm huge. To, uh, there's just some caverns of logic that I, I have a hard time um, getting over, given all of the uh, uh, state regulations and issues that have come in um, where right-wing Republicans specifically have been willing to completely over-regulate industries and do things that are completely against so-called conservative beliefs that uh, it's just, it's crazy to me at this point and why it feels great to be on the majority now. Like we used to be, like Oregon was what, the third state to go uh, medical in the fourth state to go wreck or something like that. So obviously, uh, you know, it, it's good that we're getting over the hump, but I still think in, in of all the states where we have quote unquote legalization, I don't, I don't feel like there's anywhere that, well, maybe Oklahoma, I would say is close to being uh, like what a model uh, state would look like in terms of um, free market. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. A, a constitutionally sound free market. Yeah. And they protect gun rights for cannabis medical patients in Oklahoma as well, which is different wow. than of other states. Uh, there's three separate laws that preserve gun rights uh, for medical patients. So, you know, you can still defend your home and yeah. uh, use medicine there's another great example. the same way you can at the pharmacy. You I know? have the right to bear arms as long as I don't grow weed. That's basically the way that they like to amend it. Even the people that there's people with tattoos with the right to bear arms on it, but will still be like, I'm fine with you getting your gun rights taken away just because you grow plants. I mean, that's yeah. mind blowing to me. And that's, yeah. that's most states. Again, most states will not, you can generally like Oregon will let you keep the guns that you have, at least the last I know, again, don't sue me or cite me or whatever, but, um, you can keep the ones that you have, but purchasing new ones, you won't, won't be allowed to do if you have a medical marijuana card, but you can still, if you don't get your card, you can still go buy recreational cannabis. It's only if you have a medical card. So very, uh, very weird distinction um, between that, but you'll see that consistently where you are not, uh, not able to purchase new Grass firearms if you want to be a cannabis producer. Some states it's recreational, some states it's just medical, some states it's just home grow. So if it's a residence, 
um, then that's the case. Uh, so, but still weird that they would even be willing to let anyone take anybody's guns because that's like, again, they have tattoos with this shit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mandatory five here in uh, in Michigan. Uh, guns and weed does not mix, bro. Uh, if you have your card uh, or recreational, yeah, they um, yeah, you almost have to give up your CCW here, your license. Um, but you know, some people still you know take that risk. But again, it's you know, it's one thing to, to catch a case where you try to fight it just weed, but if you're trying to fight it with weed and guns, it's a whole another battle, man. Yeah. A whole another battle. Much bigger headache. And then we go back to how that all started. You know, what about the kids? Um, I know myself, we donate to two families right now in the local area who do not have the money to afford seizure medications. Their kids do not have stuff that responds to medications. And we're just give, we're donating the medicine because we're able to. We're in a, in, a, in a position to do that. And it's helping those kids, right? Those are kids that would not have had access until medical came around, that legal access, right? So this is, the, you know, this is the kind of stuff that can be life-changing for people, you know, and especially for parents that don't have anywhere else to turn, you know? No, I agree. I agree. And, and, and to me, you know, for being, you know, Black, I say, what about the kids? Yeah, what about the kids? The kids are disproportionately arrested, motherfucker. Yeah, how about us? Uh, you know, how about, yeah, the ones that are going to jail and getting a, a damn record and this is going to mess us up for years and years and years. Yes, what about the kids, motherfucker? This is why, you know, we need to legalize it and, and allow. Right. You didn't need any evidence to lock them up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It, it go, you know, kind of like the same thing we were talking about with the, the people that ran the industry. It's insulting that kids sit in jail uh, or or grown men sit in jail that got arrested as kids or grown men that got arrested as grown men. It doesn't matter. You have uh, you have people getting uh, that are making millions of dollars in what we now call legal markets doing exactly the same thing for these people that are still in prison. And even even states that have had legalization for a while still have Oregon still hasn't cleaned up all, all theirs. And we've we've been legal for a while it's uh it's still going to be a systemic problem i feel like until we can get uh federal mandates on it can't maintain it can't maintain schedule one status and and expect us to be able to figure all this stuff out and it's ridiculous that it is like and just like you were saying it disp disproportionately affects large groups of already marginalized people um so it's it's insulting that people can make such a profit off of it and, and be fine with all of that and not even take part in it. Obviously there are some that do like in, in the case of Steve where he's donating stuff back and uh, a lot of places uh, around here are very active. We have a lot of farms around here that do a lot of social work and reaching out, giving away medicine, but I still can't stress enough that it's nowhere close to what it was for a patient in Oregon previous to that, because they were able to get 99% of their medicine for free, completely free to the patient. And it was an arrangement with the grower where you were able to do that. So uh, the grower would essentially grow more than what the patient needed, sell their access to the dispensary and that paid their, their bills so that they could be a grower. And yeah. that allowed them to be able to give every patient that they grew for free medicine as often as they need it 
every year consistently. They kept the dispensary stocked for the people that didn't have growers and needed new stuff. Um, so new patients that come in and that hadn't been around for a season yet would always still have access to be able to buy stuff and we could sell at any dispensary. And now that's just completely backwards. There's, uh, uh, it's much more difficult to find a grower. There's far fewer of them because of all the regulations that we talked about. Yeah. And you have way more patients than having to walk in and pay retail prices for medicinal flour, medicinal concentrates that they were able, would have been able to get for free otherwise. So there's a whole, uh, there's a whole mechanic to the greed that takes over so many of these different things that I, again, I just don't know how we're going to get it until our federal government gets their shit together, takes it off the schedule one list and we can all grow it like we do tomatoes because there's not yeah. that much difference to me. I should be able to sell it at the farmer's market. hundred percent. That's the model. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the, I mean, the model, I mean, I get you now the fear of having to be, you know, so free as tomatoes, but I mean, it's a plant. Um, I agree that, you know, as like similar to here in Michigan in 2008, even though it was medical, um, you know, I still was incarcerated um, for um, growing cannabis and actually for, um, having having edibles. I mean, meaning similar to what you were saying was that caregivers uh, were growing and you can only grow so much here in Michigan. You can grow 12 plants per patient. You can have five patients total plus yourself. 12 times five is 60 plants. Um, that's five patients plus your 12, 72 plants. Um, but you can only possess 15 ounces. Well, if you're growing 72 plants, I mean, when you harvest, you're gonna probably get some more than 15 ounces. Unless you you need to call Steve or Aqua Box and get some advice because if you're not getting but anyway, so if you're over 15 ounces, it never really said what you can do with it. So there was a clause in the law that said you know a patient um, or a caregiver can assist a patient, um, meaning you can only grow for your five, you can only carry for your five plus yourself. But who you could assist, such as, you know, if Marty came over here, you weren't my patient, but maybe your caregiver didn't grow what, you know, um, you needed, or maybe you had a bad harvest, um, or maybe you couldn't find a caregiver um, and you needed someone to assist you. I should be able to give you some of my overages to some stuff that my patients did not need over to you. Um, so long story short, I mean, I actually uh, started a delivery service because I grew a lot more than my patients could consume. And the market kind of organically, a lot of different caregivers here in Michigan, there was this organic market um, where caregivers, it was just everybody regulated each other because you had to have good hospitality, you had to be good good product, um, you had to have good reasonable pricing. Um, otherwise, you're just, just like any other business, you're just not gonna be able to survive. Um, so the market naturally um, survived, but uh, unfortunately, you know, I was, I was leaving um, a restaurant um, where I had just got a new Jeep Cherokee and the lights came on automatic and and uh, I got valet and and they ended up turning off my lights. And I didn't notice it, um, but I got a call uh, for a delivery. Um, so I left where I was, which was a suburban area to a whole nother suburban area. And I drove um, like 10, 15 miles without my lights on because I got into my car, nothing said, you know, turn on my lights. It was just getting in my car, my lights, you know, automatic, come on. I uh, never got flashed, never got anything, right until I was about to pull into um, this area, which was called Beverly Hills. 
um, not Beverly Hills, California, but Beverly Hills here in Michigan. Um, I got flicked and um, pulled over. And this was the first time I actually had an experience. I never had, I, I was a stockbroker before I get into the chemist industry. Um, I played college football, um, had a college degree um, in finance. Um, I had no record. Um, so this was my first really experience of what it's like, um, I guess you can say uh, driving while black per se. Um, got pulled over um, and immediately, it, uh, you know, I was just really just asked to step out the car. I was like, damn, what was up? Um, step out the car, get put in the back of the police car and I end up searching through the car. Um, and I was with uh, uh, my girlfriend, who's my now wife, even asked her to step out the car, get put in the back of a car, search through the car. And I have my delivery kit. Now, mind you, um, you can keep 15 ounces of flour here in Michigan. Um, I had about eight ounces of flour separated in mason jars. Um, and it was in a book bag. It was locked. You couldn't just get to it. So you had to you know, really do a deep search. You couldn't smell anything because it's all in a mason jar. Uh, so there was no probable cause even. I wasn't like smoking and driving on like that. It just you know, decided to search. Um, but they go through it and they say, you know, on camera, because I took this thing in the court and I just, oh, there's weed in there. They find the weed. They go through it. Um, I also had my caregiver licenses inside the bag as well to show that I could carry what I was carrying. I had two thousand or two not two thousand. I had two dozen brownies with me as well. Uh, so they ended up, you know, arresting me, uh, taking me to the police station. Um, they could hold you uh, for seventy-two hours, really, without charging you. They held they held both of us. They held um, my lady, who's now my new, my, my my wife, um, both for forty-eight hours, um, and then end up, you know, letting us go. I, I you know I explained I was a caregiver, this, this, and that. Um, let us go. Um, and I went about my business and I end up being charged eight months later uh, with a felony, with possession, with intent to deliver. Because they ended up, remember, I had seven ounces of flour and I could carry 15. They ended up counting each brownie as wheat. So I went from having, and each, each brownie apparently weighed like a quarter pound. It was expensive brownies. I was only doing it for Damn. 10. <laughs> I was only selling 10 out of brownies. I guess I should have had 500 out of brownies. But, recipe, uh, man. Yeah, so it was a quarter pound. So I went from having seven ounces to like 72 ounces, which took me out of the Medical Marijuana Act, um, per se, at the time. So you had to fight that case. Went to like I was the first person arrested uh, for the possession of edibles. There's a whole uh, thing. I'm not trying to be famous for brownies, but yeah, I was arrested <laughs> for freaking brownies, bro. Brownies. Practice, man. Practice. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it's not just the brownies. I mean, that's, they didn't know you had brownies when they pulled you over, but they knew yeah. what you look like. Exactly. Exactly. But go, going to what you said until it's taken off the schedule. I mean, even though, yeah. you know, we think we got medical or it's even adult use it's like, there's still ways for people to still, it's not over. Like you, right. you're like, you're dropping the ball before you get to the end zone. If you think you can celebrate and that's, and that's cool. Like it's not, it has to get taken off the schedule. Otherwise people are still going to get arrested and still get prosecuted. Right. They'll still have the power to, you know, arrest whoever they feel like. And, and when, you know, whenever they wield that kind of power, they have historically fucked it up. Yeah. It, there's no reason for it in this particular case. And normally like now, if we wanted to put something on schedule one, we wanted to, add something on there now we have to prove that there's a reason that it should be on right. it and right. there is that's never happened for cannabis 
It's never happened for THC. Like that case has never actually been made. It was literally just voted in. So it, it's insane to me that they require proof to be able to undo all of this stuff. But it really comes down to, in my opinion, a large part of it is losing that power, that ability yeah. to we wield that power over specifically poor and marginalized people right. is extremely valuable to them. It's they've lived off of it for generations. It, yeah. It's how fathers pass down to their to their sons how to provide for their families. And it sucks. Yeah, it was it was not really about the plant. It was always about the people. Um and then like you said, corporate greed too, all that kind of ties into it being one of the greatest lies since uh you know, um, the serpent turd told uh, Eve that it was okay to eat that apple. Um, <laughs> this was the second greatest lie after that. Like, yeah, weed makes white women crave after black jazz musicians. Like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah. You know, but yeah. Um, so jive magic. <laughs> Is that a thing? I need to pass out more weed. I don't know. But, uh, Start playing a saxophone. <laughs> Start playing a saxophone. I'm play some jazz, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that explains a lot about Bill Clinton. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. So yeah, the summit. So we talked. We talked about that. Uh, uh, we got into. We actually had uh, a couple people from Normal uh, coming on for the summit too. Uh, we also talked about living soil. Uh, that seems to be a complicated thing. Uh, you know, just getting into what is living soil. Is it is it soy? Is it kind of like, is it kind of like vegan meatless meat? Is it, <laughs> is it really meat or is it not meat? Uh, so yeah, that was a good conversation about living soil, which it seems like you, you can make a, a living soil out of soil, but it's usually it's a soilless medium. Um, you let me know you got thoughts. It's, it seems to be a soilless medium that is typically um, made to live in soil. And like the term living soil is more of like a marketing term but it's still a soilless medium. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I know most of the people that I know that do living soil are doing, you know, compost and, and some type of base soil mix. And then they, uh, you know, they're doing cover crops and making sure they're inoculating with their different mushrooms and like organi microorganisms and things. Yeah. It's definitely one of those um terms that i feel like means different things to different people kind of like flushing okay uh, like some people define flushing as um you know like only feeding water for the past like two weeks of flour right and some people define um flushing as just having less nutrients available towards the end of flour because for instance, a good example of that is a living soil grower. They're like, everything I, most of the time, everything is loaded into the soil ahead of time and they only feed water. Yeah. So they're, they're not, um, you know, maybe teas or different stuff. But I think for me, the way that I think about living soil is um, that you are, are concerned about the microbial population in your soil versus just the nutrient content. Yeah. So, you're not entirely focused on like the NPK in the nutrients, but you also do things to foster and keep microbial growth yeah. other than, um, you know, as opposed to somebody who may grow in soil um, and feed with uh, and use soil as more like a medium 
um, whether feeding nutrients to it that are already available. So if you're using right. your your microbe population to break down amendments into nutrients, then I, that's kind of the way that I think about living soil is your, your microbes are are breaking down your and providing your nutrients for you. So they that's why they talk about feeding the soil instead of yeah. feeding the plant is that you're you're feeding your microbes and, and having them break down and make nutrients available for you out of raw inputs. So it's a little a little different. So the um, versus like a um, somebody growing with like salt based nutrients, they might turn their soil over at you know every run or every two runs. So they they get entirely new soil every time they replant their room versus being able to reuse it right. cycle after cycle after cycle. So those are the, the characteristics that I categorize as living soil. And like Steve was saying, usually you grow a cover crop. So, you know, smaller plants that you allow to grow up and then you cut those plants, lay them down in a mulch layer so that they can um, be broken. Those plants can then be broken back down into nutrients by your microbes and, and feed your soil again. So you keep your, your soil healthy and reuse it as opposed to replace it. I, that, that's just kind of my own personal way of looking at it. But some people take it like religion, like you have to do it, like you have to grow a specific cover crop, but you have to grow clover in order for it to be true living soil, you know, like uh, kind of the same way with KNF, like there's very specific ways that you are supposed to do fermenting in order to really call it KNF. Um, so that's kind of the way I look at living soil, but it's always great to hear, you know, all the different opinions on yeah. and, and methods on how they achieve that. Cause um, just being focused on microbial life, there's a lot of different ways to foster them and different methods of doing that, you know, finding one uh, existing microbial life in your um, uh, surrounding forest areas and fostering those into like IMO collections and using those is just one way that you can boost living soil or, or keep microbials in there. So you, you kind of end up trying to consolidate everybody's slightly different versions of what it means to have living soil. But those are kind of the common elements that I feel like I see in everybody's uh, definitions of living soil. That's a good point. Because you even hear the term super soil, you know, and then you have, you know, living soil. It's kind of like, what's the difference between the, the both of those? Like, would you um, consider a living soil using some type of cocoa um, or or would it have to be soil soil, like silt, clay um, and sand? I think traditionally most of the, the people would tell you that it should be, uh, you know, sand, silt, clay and Something else, like cocoa. Cocoa functions differently because of the cation exchange is a little different because of the way that that works. Uh, and then cocoa, the quality of cocoa just varies so greatly. Um, everything from stuff that's very good, all the way down to stuff that was washed in seawater that's just loaded with sodium. Mm. Um, so you, you know you <laughs> you got to be careful on uh, where you're getting it from and. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's just, I personally have moved away from cocoa um, just because of inconsistency of the, the ability to source it on, on a regular regular basis that's, 
you know, consistent. It seems to always vary. Even when I find a good supplier, you know, after a couple of months, it seems to not, you know, be that same quality anymore. And it just is frustrating on the commercial scale. So we've just switched over to, you know, ordering just good soil and finding usually a local place, but if we can't, then ordering it, you know, super sacks at a time or truckloads, depending on, you know, location. Nice. Nice. Do, do you, do you typically reuse your soil or are you? I'm yeah. So we'll usually what we'll do is we'll let it go for three cycles. So we'll grow it and then let it rest for two growth cycles and then reuse it again. Uh, and then this way we can put our beneficial microbes in it. We can also amend it with some extra fish waste and actually rebuild some of the nutrient base into it from stuff from the system. Uh, and, and, you know, we do have to buy a certain amount to have that base going, but once you have enough, especially when you get to commercial scales, it's a lot easier because then I can just take a backhoe, scoop it up, put it into my potting machine, uh, have two potting machines going. We have one that loads the gravel, uh, the lava rock in it and fills it halfway. And the, the worker takes it off of there, throws the burlap in it, runs it into the next one and that fills it up the rest of the way with the soil and then spits it out. And then they're, you know, gone to the track uh, or the trailer. And then now they can be, you know, pumped full of clones and then get put into the beds. Cause when we do this, we're doing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of plants at a time. Most of the time when I'm working with them in these days. So well, we're talking about four to six plants here, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for homegrow, home yeah, you just get your pot, you fill it up halfway with your, your lava rock or your your hydrogen, and then, uh, yeah. I cycle mine through, through my worm bins, and I just have enough to where I can always have my worm bins full and all of my my plants full. And so when I, when I harvest or I take some out, that that soil will go back and get mixed into the worm bins. And then, you know, we harvest the, um, you know, just kind of recycle it all that way. And every once in a while, um, you know, we'll, probably shouldn't say every once in a while, every year we end up adding more, you know, like leaf litter and stuff from around the property that comes into the compost and um, creates more in the, the traditional in-ground compost separate from the worm bins. And then we'll we'll use that to mix it in. So we're always, you know, generally um, just recycling everything through there. And we just have at this point now we have enough soil to where <clears throat> it's just able to cover even the, the soil that's not in use is being recharged. And when we need more, we go get more and it's just always cycling. That's awesome. man. Yeah, this it's just so much to grow in. You know, you think it's just throwing some seeds on the side of the road and call it a day. Uh, well, depending on the road, that can work. <laughs> we call that guerrilla growing. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and, and it really can. You can just, there's a number of areas, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, where you can go out and just plant some seeds along a stream and come back and fall and see what you got. Um, and there's plenty of people that have, have done that for years and years and years. And I'm sure there'll be more that do it this year. Um, but there is, uh, but there's something to be said, like you were talking about, you know, like, for, especially for home growers, right? If you only got six to 12 plants, um, you know, you can't, you know, you can't take that kind of risk um, and only wind up getting two plants that actually turn out. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of what gorilla growing, what if you actually did it, um, you know, what was you put out a ton of seeds <laughs> along the whole creek, allegedly. Uh, you know, that, that was the thing you, you survived off of, you know, quantity. It was everything was illegal. So whether it was one plant or a thousand plants, yeah, it didn't really matter. So you could survive off of quantity, and if it came out seeded or whatever else, it wouldn't matter. But you know, if you've got 
only got 12 plants you want to grow in your garage you know you you want the majority of them to come out as good as possible so it's just put a little more time and effort in than just tossing out some seeds throw some gorilla glue seeds on a gorilla girl there we go <laughs> Get a gorilla girl to gorilla glue girl to plant the gorilla glue for. <laughs> right, right. You, you, you guys find yourself uh, when you're trying to dial in. I guess the one thing with, uh, like for example, I use I use ProMix um, when I grow, and um, I kind of like using nutrients where I can kind of know what where my PPMs and kind of kind of know what's going on. Do you find if you're using living soil, it's harder to kind of understand what's all going on in there? or you kind of just got to fill that out? Is, is, is that like an art to that? I think if you if you have a good living soil, you don't have a lot of those mystery problems showing up over your run because your microbes are going to help manage the availability of that. Um, okay. As long as you've built a good healthy base and then, you know, especially if you're dosing with your good, you know, KNF inputs or, you know, other natural farming inputs or even some of the AACTs, if you want to go more uh, uh, landing gums uh, methods, um, definitely are, uh, you know, uh, if you have that in a good cover crop, you're going to have a really good, uh, um, really good base. And again, you're not going to, those microbes are just going to constantly make those micronutrients okay. available and macronutrients available much more so than, you know, uh, something that, that doesn't have those microbes. Yeah. I'm, uh, want to try it, man. I'm just gotta, I gotta jump out on faith here. <laughs> Yeah, you should do a you should do a side by side. You know, just take a couple of plants and and um, you know do do the rest of them whatever your normal way is. Yeah. Uh, just take a couple of them and do a little side by side and do do a test for yourself. I mean, that's one of the things that I really like to do. And I talk about it on the podcast a lot is that um, <clears throat> I wanted to be able to. Uh, you know, eliminate personal bias in terms of different right. types of growing methods. So I grow lots of, I don't just grow aquaponics. I have raised beds, I have subirrigated planters, I've done living soil, um, I've done organic hydro, um, not very much, but a little bit, um, you know, but I've done a lot of different growing methods to decide to come to my own conclusion about what I like best after smoking the products that came out of it, you know, kind of like the, the full test. So. And I really think, you know, all the different ways combined, I guess, is sort of what I look at as aquaponics, because we talk about in like living soil, they want to talk about having those microbes there in the soil, because that's what the, you know, the plant is reacting to um, when it's creating terpenes or cannabinoids, it's responding to the microbials that are in the root zone. And so <clears throat> uh, increasing that diversity seems to increase bricks levels and terpene levels and cannabinoid levels and so um really the getting that and achieving that diversity also in your your water column um is really kind of what i think aquaponics does way better than anything else even the people that go to elaborate means to mimic nature in their living soil they still just water it with a hose or a blue mat or Right. something else that you know but sometimes just with ro water and in this case in aquaponics in the closed loop and adding the fish and keeping your microbiology in your water reservoir also um really mimics you know the places in nature that grow the best your your creek beds your river deltas um all of those different places that 
uh, all those nutrients end up um, combining together with the microbes that sustain almost year-round in those environments. And that's what we look for in aquaponics is being able to mimic that same thing. So we keep you know the water temperature stable enough for the fish to survive all the time. And, uh, and then so do the microbes. And essentially we, we never pay for nitrogen. You know, our nitrogen is almost entirely uh, fish food based. So we worry about most of, mostly keeping nitrogen under control and then supplementing the other nutrients outside of that. So um, that, that to me, and then I just use that, the same systems to help my other stuff as well. So when I make teas or different things for my raised bed, I use water from my aquaponic system that already has microbial life in it, or I'll use some already established media from my media bits that already has my microbes in it. Um, so I try to continue those different processes into other places, but I always want to do, I always want to check those boxes for myself. I'm going to try growing different ways and then find out what I like best. So that's why if you just take a couple plants and set them aside, and finish them all the way out and you don't even necessarily have to care about just one thing like you don't you know if it doesn't yield as much as the other one it doesn't necessarily matter you know like when yeah. you smoke it how did you like it you know how high did you get it, right high it's getting high what you want to do do you want it to uh you know ease your back pain do you want it to uh give you munchies because you're in chemo treatment you know do you you know what is it do you want it to do and do you get the result that you want Sometimes yield to me just is not as important, and but a lot of times you'll find it in places that you don't expect. So it's interesting. Oh, that's and that's, oh, that's great, and and that just the collective wisdom of everybody. What kind of was the was the goal was, you know, we know there's a lot of different paths that end in the rainbow here per se, or a lot of different ways to skin a cat. I don't even know why that's the same. I like cats. I don't know why I everyone <laughs> skin a cat, but uh, but this. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's uh just I feel like not like Marty, like this collective wisdom will help us all kind of be better. And and I feel like sometimes, you know, some people egos get in the way of, yeah, like my way is this way and this is not playing big penis versus little penis. It's like, look, man, let's you know, bring our wisdom together and let's and like you said, you can test a little bit here, test a little bit there and see what kind of works best for you. If it's not just the yield, I think that's a beautiful example. Maybe it's just the taste or the type of uh, feeling that you got, the type of effect. Um, did it help you sleep better? Did it help you calm? Maybe just because you changed uh, the medium, the plant reacted differently. So yeah, I, yeah, there's so many different ways to, um, to continue to master the skill of growing and never being a self-proclaimed uh, master grower, but just continually you're mastering the skill. You're, you're continually learning the mastery of growing um, from home, so. Yeah. yeah, it just never stops, you know. I think that uh, it it's crazy that people will adopt a single way of growing. Like, I see a lot of people, and I complain about this a lot, so you guys that listen a lot, I'm sorry, but the, <laughs> the people that will do a bunch of research online, and then they'll decide before they even start what the best way to do it is, and they'll yeah. do it one time, and then they'll get any amount of result uh, and any amount of success, and they'll claim that look, they were right. And it was the best way that they've ever done it. But really, they've only done it maybe a handful of times. And they've only done it one way. Right. And they really don't have much of anything to compare it to. So um, that's always been a pet peeve of mine. And I always have tried to avoid in my own personal bias in that way, too, in that 
you know, just do it a lot of different ways and yeah, you know, try try to find your own flaws and get better and don't just half-ass the ways that, uh, that you might not think are going to work. Like I kind of did that a little bit with sub-irrigated planters to start with. I didn't have very good success with my first one, but it was because of shit that I did wrong, not because the technology wasn't sufficient. And so once I got better, then the the product, the end product got better. So um, if you're going to take the time to do it, also take the time to do it right. So those are probably for home growers, I would say would be like two important things is that just like you were saying earlier, when, when you first started out, like there's a ton of information out there. If yeah. you just follow one person, you can very easily be misled for months yeah. at a time and waste yeah. a lot of money, waste a lot of time, not get the results that you want. So uh, research is great. Uh, conferences are great. Talks are great. All of those things are awesome, but definitely get your hands dirty and have some experience, yeah. do them things wrong, do some things right, see the difference. Um, you know, you, you got to jump in at some point in, um, especially if you're going to be a home grower, if you're going to start a commercial operation. You, you might even have the operation or the option to hire someone that has done all of those things before and still be successful. But in right. a home grow, got to get your hands dirty. Yeah. You got to take action. And that's kind of, you know, the, the format, like I wanted, you know, I, I, even when I, I, I talk with Steve, it was just, you know, we weren't just talking just to hear ourselves talk. It was talking to really give actionable content to be like, look, this is some actions that you can take to go out and try with this information. Um, and, and like you said, I think it's key to just, are uh, you take this information and then not go do something with it. Don't, it's not, you can sit here and listen to all the people all day long, all the podcasts, all the lessons, go to all the seminars and still ain't even pop one seed. It's like, bro, look, <laughs> pop a seed, man. Take one of these methods and, and, and now, obviously, you want to be smart about it. You want to just, you know, pop it in the living room and then see what happens. And then you get bugs and mites. But, you know, you want to right. go into it efficiently with an educated guest. Let's say that you have an educated uh, guest through with people who've already made tons of mistakes. And that's wisdom. Learn from other people's mistakes. They're trying to tell you what they did, how they messed it up. All right. Now try this. It's not just some guy just you know popped up out of the blue. And just trying to tell you his, like you said, he just learned one way on YouTube and now he's trying to proclaim himself as his new teacher. It's, I know these people have grown for more than five years and made plenty of mistakes, thousands of mistakes, lost plenty of crops. And then now they're trying to tell you, you know, maybe you should try this way to kind of start off. And then yeah, if, you're, you know, if your mentor can't say things like, oh yeah, I remember the first time I did that. Yeah. Then you probably don't have a great mentor, you know, like right. that's, you know, they, you have to be able to have done it multiple times in lots of ways to call it, like to even think about, you know, calling yourself like a master grower or any yeah. of that stuff. It just seems like uh, ridiculous to think otherwise. And, but yet a, a lot of people do. And <clears throat> it leads a lot of people down paths that lose a lot of money. I mean, we, we talk to people as consultants that have a lot of money invested in different operations that don't necessarily have the amount of success that yeah. they were sold on and it's unfortunate um and it it can be dangerous on the commercial level now you're focused on the on the home level which is right. great but it's important to remember too that some of those people that are growing at their house may not be able to afford 
to buy medicine, that, that that might be part of the reason why they are choosing to do a home right. grow is that that might be their only option of providing medicine for themselves. Right. So it can still hold importance, even if it's not, um, you know, millions of dollars. <clears throat> Sometimes it can be the difference between someone getting medicine or not. We've had people in our cannabis growers group that have come in to get help because their recent family member or a family member has recently been diagnosed with cancer or epilepsy or any of these different things and are in you know what we call cannabis deserts where you know maybe the, there's no legality at all or right. even if there is a legal market it's hard to access or it's expensive um, or there is no home grow you know all those different things uh, become an option so it may not be important for us to cover things like auto flowers or something like that for a large commercial grow, but for a first time home grower or a first time home grower that needs to absolutely succeed, yeah. an auto flower might be a great option. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that, I mean, even for me, it's, you know, I heard about, but it's just, you know, I can only learn so much type thing. All right, look, I got, let me stick with this first. And then now you hear all this, <laughs> You hear all this about autoflowers now, and, and I used to think, man, who wants to grow runs? What the hell? Who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, man, I do, I I do, and once you, honestly, once you get to a place where you understand enough to grow photo period plants, there's yeah. really very little reason to have autoflower. I definitely hear that, but like this one issue specifically, there was a, a, a woman who called her husband recently diagnosed with uh, cancer. Didn't feel like she could. Uh, you know, was from a conservative family, didn't feel like she could go anywhere and buy some, didn't feel like she could, you know, was she going to walk around downtown and ask people, you know, right. like there just right. wasn't any other good option, never grown anything before, never had a garden, lived in an urban area, it's like a four by four closet that they're able to grow inside of, and they're like, mm. you know, it, we, we don't have another two months to to waste if we have to pull plants out and pull them back in and so that was one of the few times where i've been like all right you know let's let's grab some autoflower seeds you know you could see that you know in here that she was really concerned about literally not knowing anything and starting from scratch yeah that's a lot of pressure when you absolutely have to have a harvest so uh there are there are things about home grow which i think will bust wide open um yeah. as soon as we get that federal legalization we've been talking about so uh, there are there are nuances to the home grow market, but eventually I think it's going to be huge. I think it'll be bigger yeah. than the than the commercial market. Yeah, and and, and I and I think auto flowers itself is going to be huge. I mean, you can see those at your local nursery, like going in there just buying a auto flower plant that's already kind of started. Almost like you go in there buying some platunias. I don't even know if that's a flower. That only flower I know is wheat, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right they sell, they sell spider mites at most garden centers <laughs> under the brand name strawberry starts <laughs> yeah, <they're laughs> well yeah yeah no i mean yeah i think there's some very now i learned a lot more about um just talking to different growers um a lot of them just kept talking about auto flowers as if it's like man i don't feel like I, i've been missing out but yeah there's so many different purposes um um, um even if you're just you know growing for oil and you kind of need the buds you know, to, to process that and the amount of more harvest that you can get um, per year on a autoflower period versus um, a photo period. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff, man. Um, like 
Danko, uh, Danny Danko talking about um, tips on how to design um, and lay out your groom as well. I think sometimes when we are setting up our groom, sometimes we don't think about, oh, you actually might have to walk in there, you know, and actually uh, <laughs> yeah. you have to do some work. You have to move around some equipment, you know. You may I have to think. carry a bucket when I go in there. <laughs> No, that's that's a good point. I mean, the number one reason I see, especially in commercial grows, that I can almost always walk over to the plant syrup against the wall and something's got PM. Yeah. yeah. If you're not getting good airflow, man, that's just not good. And people stuff them up against walls. They'd be like, ah, oh, we can get an extra 100 plants in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's going to, oh, yeah. you know, introduce mold. It's going to kill the entire room for that 100 plants. Like, <laughs> Or even that you'll, you'll have to water 7,000 plants if you have 7,000 plants like we had uh, yep. I went to consult on a hemp grow here in Oregon I won't call them out by name or anything but um, their lead grower had basically quit because they had stocked their greenhouses so packed in with starts in these tiny little grow bags and were <clears throat> trying to hand water them with like a hose and a sprayer and had not even accounted for the fact that the like these plants were going to get bigger, right? I mean, as you as plants grow, they tend yeah. to take more room. Yeah. And so by the time these plants started getting even like a foot tall, there wasn't even a way to walk in there. Like literally, in order to keep their plants alive long enough to get them into the field, I had to install sprinkler hoses above everything and just water them with. Uh, with mist over the entire greenhouse because you couldn't wow we couldn't, we couldn't install uh like in ground drips or anything like it was all one gallon plastic bags just packed into a greenhouse without a single thought about how they would take care of them move them uh transplant them water them anything it was just it was insane <laughs> there was there was no lollipop in that boy i tell you that's no, no there was, and it was full of males they couldn't get in and pull oh, out males man. either because yeah it was a mess but um don't do that <laughs> yeah 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 just just stuff like that i mean just you know especially with new states um coming on um and people trying to grow from 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 scratch i mean some of these lessons are hard lessons to learn uh so uh and there's so many you know um self-proclaimed teachers i remember how i, I mean i got started um growing was yeah, there was a closet grower who said he swear he knew how to grow and or, or grow and uh you know I ended up doing a um commercial building for my first 72 and um partnered with him and uh just started walking in the room and I didn't really know how to, I, I didn't know how to grow. I just you know I was gonna use his knowledge and kind of learn and I'm walking in the room, I'm like, man, why are these plants yellow? This doesn't make any sense. Like I swear plants are supposed to be green. <laughs> I'm getting yellow thumb. <laughs> like no man. So I get uh Jorge's book, the Grower's Bible. I got Ed Rosenstahl's book, and I'm starting going through the pages, and I and I and I get a PPM meter, um, and and a pH meter, and like these 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 babies were maybe maybe four or five inches. Man, the PPM was like twelve hundred. I was like. Yeah, it was like 1,200, and like the pH was like 6.97. I'm like, oh, man, this guy doesn't even know. I was like, so, all right. So I had to take over, and, and, and that's how I kind of learned was uh, 
I had to take over and just kind of learn on the fly. But I ended up saving that crop. End up, end up turning turn out, you know, great. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't just, you know, just trust everybody's. Oh yeah, I got you, man. I I, I can, <laughs> I know how to grow. So, yeah. So hopefully this summit does help uh, some people. It's it, it's free. Um, it's a free summit. Um, you can, you can uh, get all the information. So how is the how is design each day? Um, it's like 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 a like a real conference. Like day one, there's five to six different videos, uh, different lessons, um, and then that goes down. And then day two comes up, uh, but you can watch as much as you want. Um, and then that goes down and then day three comes up and then that goes down day four that goes down day five so follow like a conference um and then if you did want all access um to all the slides because maybe I mean, one of the things with me like listen to podcasts i mean it's so much good information you're trying to take all these notes and you're rewinding and you're trying to write that down and you're rewinding so like i decided you know if you really want like the the slides everything's taught with with slides so people can kind of follow the conversation and we're giving those slides out too, if you want to actually uh, get those slides. So yeah, it, it's really meant for people to really take action um, on what's being said and being taught. So hopefully we all can start growing uh, better cannabis at home and enjoy it better and help, help, help in this stigma. So that's the goal, fam. Awesome, and how do people uh, find that? How do they get there? Uh, what day does it start? Uh, so homegrownweedsummit.com, homegrownweedsummit.com. You can go there and get your free pass. Um, we also are doing a live kickoff this Saturday. I'm going to go live at uh, 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time, um, which I think your PST time, I think, over there, right? Uh, I am Steve, Oklahoma. Right? Okay. Central. All right, cool, cool. Uh, so it's Eastern. You guys can Google the conversions. You know, Google does that. Um, here we're gonna do a live uh, kickoff. Just kind of do answers to questions on it. I'll talk about different stages or really give a, mo a roadmap to grow. Um, that's on Saturday, but on Monday is the actual um, start of the event. So uh, Monday through Friday, all next week, um, five to six videos a day. Um, we're going. We got Tommy Chong on there. Um, uh, we have Jesse Bloom, uh, Swerve from the Cali Connect is going to be there. Uh, DJ Short um, from with Breeding, um, he's on there. Uh, like I said, Danny Daco um, is on there. Um, but I mean, more importantly, it's just everyone just coming together and it's I don't know, it's turned to be this beautiful mosaic of people kind of coming together when so many people are kind of so divided with different opinions and things. Can and of course, I mean, the one and only. I don't know who else has a better beard, but Steve. Uh, Steve is on there <laughs> teaching on hydroponics and aquaponics. Uh, uh, that, that was a great conversation. That, that's that to me. I think it's going to be one of the top ones that people are going to uh, watch and listen to, and still be like, "Damn, fishes? Really? Never knew. A little fishy, 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 huh?" Uh, so it's great, man. Um, cool. So yeah, hopefully you guys check it out. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Steve and, and Marty for allowing me to kind of be on here and kind of guess and 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 uh, crash your your podcast. Yeah, man. Hopefully, hey, all these comments are not. Hopefully, uh, happy to help you uh, promote it and help uh, you know people give people the option for uh, you know quite a long list of people. I know there's a 
you got Tommy Chong, Ed Rosenthal, Jeff, uh, Jeff Lowenfels, a whole bunch of people that we've had on the, on the show. And uh, it's just super, super cool to see a lot of those people, uh, you know, doing some other types of events out there that are helping just promote the home grower. Yeah, and, 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 and even after this, I mean, I just want to see us all just kind of just start working together, you know, um, um, like you, Steve, and, and, and Jeff, and Danny, and, and um, just everybody's just having a platform to kind of just come together. And, and, you know, it's big business is they're going to have is to me, it's a large ocean. You know, they're going to have this big ass cruise ship out there. It's not good. We're going to come with our sea dudes and our <laughs> little uh uh, pontoon boats and we're gonna find our spot man uh uh but yeah that's what's up uh um thank you marty i appreciate it uh no worries uh but thank you steve i appreciate this man this is cool yeah thanks a lot for joining us uh and um why don't you give everybody a uh, uh one last time uh how to find you and and what your social media is and stuff like that as well yeah, so you are uh, the website homegrownweedsummit.com. Also, I have a private club here in Detroit. Um, that's craftcannabisclub.com uh, um, or .org. I'm sorry, org. Craftcannabisclub.org. Um, and our social media, um, we have the Craft Cannabis Club on social media, you know, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, and also Cannabis Therapy Network. Um, I have, that's our podcast. Uh, cannabis therapy uh, network put that in google um, or youtube um, that'll come up there um, or even cannabis therapy pot pot not pod but podcast we, we'll we'll come up there as well so um, and that's really the brand that's just information trying to filter out a lot of misinformation um, education um, a lot of free free resources um, and then we can go from there so thank you steve thanks a lot I really appreciate you having you uh, having you on and and you taking the time to to tell us about uh uh you know yourself and your experiences and and the the summit itself. So it's been really cool. Thank you, fam. And um, I'm catching up, man. I got a little something right there. A little bit. I got a. <laughs> I think I think on the mustache side, you might have to. Might oh have yeah. To, well, I got the full Salvador <laughs> Dali going on. One day. One day. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, bud. Well, that was really awesome to have him on and uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to trying to get a little bit more variety on the show and, and just a bunch of different stuff. We have some really cool other guests in the queue that I'm going to keep secret until uh, we have them on because I'm super, super stoked. Actually, somebody I've been trying to get on for about three years is going to come on the show. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, so one of the things I wanted to mention um, if you guys are especially in a, in a newer state that's legalized uh, find a, a local hookah club or a restaurant or a library or someplace you can organize and and start a local growers club um, we actually started one out here uh, and had our first meeting this week uh, in oklahoma and uh, we actually completely filled the room uh, up uh, on a uh, a room a night where we had freezing rain <laughs> And, and it was really just, it blew me away how many people were, were interested in learning and sharing their experiences and sharing their own information, um, but just there wasn't a place for people to do it. So uh, I think we're going to definitely, uh, before too long, have to find a bigger space to try and host it. So super stoked on that. But definitely um, think about starting your own group, you know, just find a place, put together a little presentation and just maybe, you know, we started off ours with just, uh, here's the different ways people grow in soil and in 
hydroponics and aquaponics and 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 then we covered just a little bit of basics on nutrients a little bit of basics on on pest stuff just kind of just you know five minutes or ten minutes on each topic um and uh it was super great and uh again super 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 encourage other people to um you know start at their own local we call it the green club uh bryan county green club um but uh but definitely is a um a way that you can uh help organize your local local space, find access to good genetics locally, uh, or, um, you know, just learn some new stuff on what's going on locally and help build your local community. I think, you know, I certainly have been craving the living crap out of it um, since, uh, uh, you know, lockdown and everything. And I think things are kind of getting back to normal. Um, you know, as long as you mask up, uh, you know, it's not too bad um, and, and just don't be silly. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, it's a it's a good um, a good uh, good experience and a good uh, good thing to try and help spread. You know, I, I highly encourage people to start their own group in their own space. I couldn't believe and if you want, definitely go out to your. Uh, uh, local space and start one and um, there was somebody in chat that was asking about drying or something let me go back and look i promised them i'd answer his question um uh do, 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 do. where was it here anyone have any technique for drying 10 days is a long time um and then having to deal with mold i think you said i believe it was so um, with drying, we generally like to have a well-ventilated room and then try to start off at 55% and then drop that down to 30%, you know, over the course of, you know, 10 to 14 days, um, you know, maybe 5% a day or so uh, is, is a great way to do it. Um, and you'll dry those plants up. Um, you know, you don't want to have them too hot. And again, keep them in the dark. Uh, you know, a lot of people put lights on them and shit. Um, don't ever do that. It, it degrades the product. So. Um, definitely something to, to keep in mind. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you're dealing with bud rot or mold, you know, you, your means are not doing something right when the plant's alive. Um, you want to make sure that you're providing, um, you know, uh, fungal control for your plants if that's happening. So, um, you know, Bactillus pomilus in the form of a product like Sonata or um, uh, Bactillus pomilus, uh, I'm sorry, Bactillus bacillus uh, would be a product like Cease uh, or uh, Serenade. Uh, and then Bactillus pomilus would be your sonata. Um, so um, definitely uh, something to, um, you know, that would be the better way to control those uh, as far as sprays that are non-chemical. And that, you know, as, as long as that was on there before you harvested, you know, you're not going to end up with mold post-harvest or highly unlikely, I'll put it that way. Um, let me see here. So any other questions in chat before we wrap up the show? It is extremely cold and uh, yeah, I hope everyone's staying warm. I know it's record cold here. We're supposed to get over a foot of snow and uh, not looking forward to trying to deal with that. So <laughs> I hope everyone's staying warm and finding ways to keep the greenhouses warm because it's a brutal one. That is for sure a lot of the country. I know you people up in Michigan, man, you guys have got it even worse than we do. It's that's rough.
So, all righty. Um, anybody uh, have any last things before we wrap up the show? If not, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, be sure to check us out over at the uh, Growing With Fishes uh, po- on your favorite podcast app. Um, we also have our, Marty and I have the uh, apmjclass.com. Uh, Marty is finishing up getting the last of the stuff up there. He's been sick with shingles, but he's pretty much through that. So uh, the rest of that should get uh, polished up there and, and, and get put up. Um, everything's recorded and chopped up. You just have to upload the sections. And we had some issues with the first round because of the audio up BS. And anyways, it's been a pain in the ass, um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's coming along. Uh, and um, yeah, definitely check that out. And then uh, th- we have over 600 lectures in that class, uh, tons of different information, uh, tons of uh, handouts and all types of things, reference pictures and all types of different stuff. So um, yeah, definitely check that out. And um, uh, at apmjnewts.com if you're looking for aquaponic cannabis newts in a prepackaged form. You know, a lot of people just uh, want to buy, uh, you know, what people need. Uh, at the time. So uh, we have a whole different set of um, nutrients on there based on how many plants you have and how many gallons. So you can you know buy those packs uh, as needed. And uh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, wish us luck. There's some 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 cool stuff in the works right now that uh, we're, we're hoping is going to come together. So uh, yeah, hopefully a good year. Just got some cool stuff. Um, Alrighty, uh, check us out again uh, next week at potentponics at gmail.com. Potentponics on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I'm exhausted. It's been a very long, crazy day. I've been up since very early and on the phone the whole day. So, um, yeah, we'll see you guys soon and uh, catch you guys again.